0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: Good morning, everyone. We're happy to be here. I'm going to let Imam Tahir do most of the talking, but as Martha said, I just thought I'd let you know that we are both involved in interfaith work in San Jose, specifically the Silicon Valley Interreligious Council. And I had not seen Imam Tahir for some time, but in December at our meeting, we both showed up, and he told a story that really touched me. And that was, that day he was driving back down to San Jose from Pleasanton. And he noticed, he looked down and noticed that his gas gauge was close to empty. And he thought, oh, I'll stop on the way back, or after the meeting. The gathering was late afternoon, so of course it was going to be dark when we finished. And his second thought was, oh, no, I won't. I'll stop now. I don't want to be in a gas station when it's dark. And that really struck me, you know, in San Jose, or near San Jose, this man had to worry about being in a gas station in the dark. And also at that gathering, he said very clearly, you know, he talked about the fear in the Muslim community. And he said very strongly, I'm available. I will go almost anywhere (laughs) and speak. So, I took him up on it and the first week in January, he spoke to the San Jose Sangha. And then today was the first time that we were able to coordinate his schedule and IMCs and have him come here. So I'm very happy to have him here with me, grateful to him. And he's going to speak, of course, and then leave time for questions. And I want to assure you that he's fine with the difficult questions. (laughs) So please um, feel free to ask what you need to. We will stop promptly at 10.45, formally, but he can stay until about 11. So we'll have time. And if your questions don't all get answered, please feel free to email me. And I'll pass them on to him and get back to you. So I'll let you to Thank hear you. say more about yourself um, and what you do. <laughs> There's a lot I left out.
2: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's a pleasure and honor to be here with all of you on this uh, beautiful Bay Area Sunday morning. As Brigitte mentioned, I have been a resident of the Bay Area for uh, most of my life. My parents are from India, um, they migrated to London uh, in the early 70s and I am British by birth, so I can talk to you like this as well.
0: <laughs>
2: Actually, not really. I, uh, I've lived in San Jose since I was five. <laughs> Any British accent I picked up is, is much later in my life, but I do go... I fly to London almost more frequently than I would drive to Sacramento. Every few months I'm in London. Um, My parents um, uh, live there. Um, I've, like I mentioned, I've I've lived in San Jose my entire life. I went to theology school in India, and I have been serving as an imam in San Jose for, or in the Bay Area, for over 15 years now. I've always considered uh, the Bay Area my home. Um, You know, just a little, I, I do have a British passport. I have an American passport. I actually have an Indian passport as well. I'm allowed to have an overseas citizenship of India, so I can pretty much live, uh, choose to live in in, in any place, any part of the world I want, but I I choose to live in the Bay Area. The Bay Area is my home. I am, my wife and I are raising our two boys in the Bay Area, both of whom were born um, in in the South Bay. And so the point I'm trying to make is San Jose is my home. Um, You know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm a, I love the Giants, I love the 49ers. Um, it, most people, the reason I say this, most people wouldn't, wouldn't be able to tell that about me. I'm, I'm actually not dressed as I normally dress. I'm usually dressed in a longer garb. It's the first question Birgit asked me, hey, you know, I said, it's a Sunday morning. Um, so a lot of people, when they would see me, wouldn't imagine me to be, you know, an American. They would think I'm some sort of a foreigner who may not speak English and probably doesn't get, you know, the sports that we play. I mean, you know, do you get, you know, so Bay Area has been my home, loved it, continue to love it, but as we all know, there was an incident that happened uh, some years ago, 9-11, that changed, um, you know, the way the world um, is operating, and, um you know, there was a lot of backlash on the Muslims then. Um, I generally like to explain my career. I, I had been an Imam for one year. I was, what I like to say is I was a minor leaguer, thrown into the major leagues overnight. Um, and, uh, you know, I just um, um, had to be doing all the work. There was a point in my life when I was, this was post 9-11, was where I was very, very active in the interfaith community, in the greater community. So I served on the Human Rights Commission for the City of San Jose, the Human Relations Commission for the County of Santa Clara. A little joke amongst my friends was that I'd run for city council someday. Uh, I don't want to be a politician. (laughs) Um, But then there came a time when I needed time for myself. So to be honest, you know, uh, the last um, 10 odd years, I've kind of been working in my own community and trying to raise my own two kids. Unfortunately, um, the recent events around the world have changed things um, quite a bit. And if anything, it has now become uh, perfectly fine for leaders in our communities to um, say things about Islam and Muslims uh, and get away with it. Um, And they would dare say that about another community. And these are, you know, um, I wouldn't, you know, these are individuals who are leaders in their communities, either through politics or, you know, elected leaders, chosen leaders, however they may be. It's extremely tough times because what's happening now is the amount of hatred that we are seeing on our media on a day-to-day basis is actually being, you know, these are the sentiments of the people now. And so the masses now are beginning to hate Islam and Muslims. And what they fail to realize that the vast majority of Muslims around the world, including the United States of America, are just honest, peaceful citizens trying to make a better life. Right? And people tend to forget that. People tend to uh, not see that. Is there chaos in the world? Yes, there is. Is there chaos in the Muslim world? Yes, there is. I'll be the first to admit, I don't represent the Muslim world. I, if I represent anything, it's the, you know, the Muslims, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't even be bold enough to say that, but you know, I'm an American Muslim. I am a Muslim who lives in the United States of America, and my concerns happen to be local concerns and not necessarily international concerns. I can't, when we, op- we do open it up for Q&A in a few minutes, I cannot and may not and don't consider myself an expert on politics or religion in other parts of the world. I can barely speak for my own community here in the United States of America. What we see in other parts of the world, the world extremely sad. Um, A lot of that, you know, is these sentiments, these uh, this hateful sentiment is being shared by by many individuals, and we see crime, we see chaos. As any good citizen, as any good individual, you know, if you, you know, people have asked me and said, what do you have to say about San Bernardino? What do I have to say about San Bernardino? It was a crime for God's sake. Um, you know, it was individuals who were misled, misguided, that happened to uh, create these atrocities. Um, and do I agree with it? Of course not. Why? How could I agree with it? Why would I agree? Why would you even have to ask me such a question? But simply because they happen to be individuals who claim to have been of my faith. Right? Anytime a Muslim um, does something bad, all of a sudden it's like terrorist, Muslim terrorist, and so on and so forth. And if anyone, and this is, you know, I, I'm not here to get into numbers. I have an entire presentation on the Islamophobia industry in the United States of America. When, you know, someone in um, Ohio A few days ago gets a gun and kills you know their entire family and uh, kills themselves no one calls them a terrorist but God forbid if that person happened to be of a Muslim faith the media would have found some way to twist it and said you know terrorism let's go to their local place of worship let's find out their country of origin Um, the vast majority of Muslims living in this country are professionals I'm sure some of you work with many Muslims. Maybe you know it, you don't know it. Um, the vast majority of the immigrant Muslim community that came here in the 60s and 70s all came for higher education. These are indiv- Mo- My mosque is all techies, really. It's, it's nothing but a whole load of techies. In fact, a lot of times after I deliver a sermon and there's someone visiting, people will ask me and say, what do you do? And I said, I'm an imam, but they say, what do you do, you know? And so I've, I've over, over, the, over my career, I've had so many people ask me, "Do you also work in the tech industry?" Now I, I am very, very tech savvy. Unfortunately, I'm an Apple junkie, uh, but that's just the Bay Area in me, if I may. But most of my, most of my, uh, you know, most of my congregation, highly educated individuals, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but one in ten doctors in the United States of America happen to be Muslim. Um there's just so you know, we're just we're out there in the professional industry working really, really hard to make this country a better place. Um and the idea is, you know, we I get this as well. Are you Muslims trying to take over America? We have no intention to take over anyone or anywhere. Um what we do wanna what we do have in mind, and this is something that our faith reminds us, is to ensure that we Keep our communities peaceful and safe. You know, good places for us to raise our children in. So, if you see a Muslim activist, it's not because it's not because I'm trying to take over. It's because I believe in a positive environment. I believe in a safe community, um, and so that's what it comes down to. I, you know, I've been telling people over the years, there was a time in the Muslim community when the vast majority of immigrant Muslims' children. Uh, We're becoming engineers and doctors, so you know, that's you know This is the little joke in our community as a parent will go to their child and say you can do whatever You want as long as in the medical industry or the engineering industry (laughs) Uh, That is far that is very quickly changing the amount of young Muslim lawyers in DC now is growing I mean every other Muslim kid wants to become a lawyer Wants to make a change wants to make it to DC wants to become a politician and um, you know they 're working hard on it, they're working really, really hard, and so um, you know I, I I personally believe that America is a i mean this is from an immigrant a a child of an immigrant, America is a land of opportunity. If I go back to India, where my parents are from, I definitely would have had the opportunities that i 've had here um, in the United States of America when I compare my life and my cousin 's lives in in India. Not to say India is a bad country; it's a beautiful place. The food is great. Um, so that's that's what it comes down to. And, and as Muslims, you know, we're, we're required to pray. Um, this meditation just reminds me of my own prayer. You know, just uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm a Muslim. I pray five times a day. I wake up early in the morning to do my prayer. Uh, many Muslims make it out to the mosque for their prayers. Others pray at home. People pray in congregation. People pray on their own, individually, and I'm the type of person that I, I, because I have to lead prayers in congregation and it's almost a regular thing, I enjoy praying individually at home. So, you know, when I I wake up early in the morning at 5.30 to do my morning prayer, it's really nice. It's really quiet. I like to keep the room dark. It's just nice and silent. The kids are not making noise. Um, And I, I get to do my prayers. So you know, that's, you know, I pray, um, that's, that's an obligation. Um, when Ramadan comes around, I fast in the month of Ramadan. It's a time when I think of, the, well, we're supposed to think of the poor and needy around us all the time, but we actually take a moment to put ourselves in the shoes of those individuals who are not as blessed as uh, the rest of the world. Um, I get to go to Mecca to perform the pilgrimage when I have time. Um, although you're required to do it once in your life, I've been blessed to have made it out um, quite a few times. Um, you know, a lot of times I come back from Saudi Arabia, and um, people will ask me. I get stopped at the airport and say, "Well, what did you do in Saudi Arabia?" I, I, I prayed. Um, you know, honest I've probably been to I. You know, I've been to Saudi Arabia maybe twenty times in the last ten years, and I haven't seen I haven't seen Saudi Arabia. I. I Landed the airport in Jeddah and I take a cab and go to Mecca and I'm in prayer. I don't I'm, I'm there for prayer I, I don't care with what Saudis have to do or what their political views are I have never been in a Saudi home I'm usually in my hotel go to the Grand Mosque to pray come back to the hotel go to the Grand Mosque to pray go back to my hotel Find a good place to eat and that's pretty much when I'm done I in a cab make it to the airport and I'm back home. I have you know um a, to talk
1: about to
2: you yes, thank you. Uh, we, we we as Muslims we pray to the one God, uh, the one God that's out there, um, and uh, we put our forehead on the ground to him. And and really, it's just uh, you know the reason you know people would argue and say, well, you could do the same prayer here. Yes, I could, but at the Grand Mosque, it's a little more powerful feeling. We believe that the Quran was revealed there, the revelation be- began there. So there's there's an association that we have. Um, with with Mecca and the Prophet City, Medina, where we travel to when we're there, uh, you know, someday if I ever get around to writing my um, autobiography, uh, you know, I'll have an entire chapter on airports. Um, I'll have an entire chapter on the TSA. Uh, I'll have an entire chapter on the Homeland Security. Um, you know, uh, generally when you come home after a long journey, you're tired, you want to come home. You just, you know, want to come home, take a shower, and lie down. But, uh, you know, I, whenever I leave the country, as I did about, a, about two weeks ago, you know, I, I ask myself before getting on that flight, even after I have my boarding pass, do I really have to leave the country or not? Um, because flying back into the country uh, can be a bit of an ordeal, um, I've been blessed in the last few years. So I'm not going to complain. But there have been times when every time I've flown into San Francisco, I've been pulled aside and said, Mr. Anwar, how are you doing? How's your son? I have, a ch- I have a child who has a, a medical need. He's a special needs child. And they will be bold enough. to. They, they know me so well. They'll, they'll try to be courteous and say, how's your son doing to begin the conversation? Um, and it's like, guys, I'm coming home. I, I just want to go home and see my wife and kids. And they're like, yes, but someone up there has put you on a list and we just have to check you off. I mean, at least there'll be people who'll be honest to say that. Um, so, you know, we, we look around and there's, there's just all this hatred in the world. And, you know, honestly, what we're, we're, the average Muslim here and in every part of the world is just trying to make uh, make this place a better place, trying to educate people with what Islam truly is about. Um, Islam does not teach violence Islam does not promote violence Islam does not promote killing Um, Islam promotes peaceful societies and Muslims and people of other faiths have lived in peace for years and years and years and in fact there's an entire movement amongst Muslim scholars uh, theologians who are combating the people who are preaching hatred through text like you know, here's the text. Here's what the text actually says about peaceful um, living in our communities, and um, does not promote violence. And the verses that the verses of the Quran that people do use to promote their violence are taken out of context. Um, there's an entire science of the verse, the revelation of the Quran and each verse has an entire story behind it as to why it was revealed, when it was revealed, to whom it was revealed, what the command was there for, and when when the command was actually abrogated through another verse. But naturally people who have an agenda will not tell you the complete story, right? People who have an agenda will not tell you the truth. They will just make sure they get out there and, and do whatever it takes. We're, we're, we're seeing here, it's an election year, it's, very, it's a very, very interesting year, uh, brings out the best in us, um, and not so much, but I tell you, you know, I take it, I'm not, I'm, I'm one, I'm, by my nature, I'm a very optimistic individual, what it's really helped us do as a community is just really get out there, you know, we're making sure that we're, we're trying to make our voices heard, We're becoming politically active. We're making sure that we're all registered to vote. We will make sure that we will vote. Um, And, you know, as an activist, I like to tell people that change is not top-down. Change is bottom-up. You have to get involved in the grassroots. I'm probably preaching to the choir. But, you know, I, I, t- I tell my community that the change begins at the bottom and not always at the top. And we're still a very immigrant-based community, at least the community that I represent. And we only become active once every four years. Um, but but there is. So when we see all this hatred, um, you'll, you'll see a lot of good-hearted individuals who don't want what's being sold on tv and what's being preached by our by the individuals who are running for these very important positions and so naturally if anything it just brings out the best in us and we want to make sure that we uh, we challenge that through our words and and our actions um as far as as far as our faith you know just really quickly um The majority of the Muslims do not live in the Middle East. The majority of the Muslims in the world live in Indonesia and India, uh, you know, contrary to popular perception. There's a lot of Christians and Jews in the Middle East um, that have been living there for generations, contrary to popular perception. you know, and then you could go beyond the people of the book, if we may. There's a lot of Hindus and Buddhists living in a lot of Muslim countries as well. Sure, there may be factions in certain countries that may not be open to people of other faiths, but that's the only thing that actually makes it out to the media. If you were actually to visit uh, certain Middle Eastern countries, you'd actually find it very, very different. Um, You know, here in the United States of America, about... 40% of the Muslims, there's about, I don't know, there's all kinds of numbers that get put out there. Um, Anywhere between, I'd like to say, um, 5 to 7 million Muslims in the United States. About 40% of them are African Americans. Um, The largest concentration of African American Muslims in the Bay Area happens to be um, in the East Bay. Um, uh, The other 40% is made up of people from uh, the Indo subcontinent, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, Afghanistan. And the Middle East. Um, and then the other 20% is just from everywhere. So you would imagine, um, you know, when I lead a typical Friday sermon, I am preaching to people from about 30 different countries on any given Friday who are all Muslim, but who all speak different languages, who all eat different foods, And if you're immigrant, you have a lot of cultural practices that you actually think are religious. So you would imagine, you know, that, you know, because a lot of people have these cultural practices and they've always thought that these are part of their religion and so culture and religion kind of gets mixed. And then here I am trying to preach to these individuals. You would imagine my job would to be to be very easy. It's actually not because I'm, you know, even within my own community, I have so many um, different challenges in reminding individuals what's faith, what's culture, and, and how we're all going to come together. Uh, some of the things that we have to decide is, you know, on, at any given event, what kind of a food are we going to order? Um, you know, these are, these are real life challenges. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. That's how diverse our, our community is. One of the great, one of the issues in our community, in the Muslim community these days is our, um, in, intercultural marriages. Um, you know, it's, it's, a real thing. We're actually going right through it. You know, you might, um, I'm, my, I'm from Egypt, and you're from India, or my wife is, you know, I'm an African-American, and my wife is from India, or her parents are from India. I have a very close friend. I just met her last night. She's from India, or her parents are from India, and her husband's African-American from Pittsburgh, um, and trying to put all these cultures together, uh, trying to bring faith. So we have our own challenges. We really don't have... Um, You know, a lot of time for a lot of what's happening out there. But now again, very briefly, talking about international politics, and I'll stop speaking. um, I wish I had the answer to a lot of these questions, but I don't. I've got my own issues. I've got my own things I'm worried about here, right here at home. Um, um, Yes, it's really, really sad what's happening in other parts of the world. Um, That's that's their issues. Uh, in fact, I, uh, amongst a lot of the immigrant community um, um, I get a lot of backlash because I always talk about uh, my priority and my community's priority being home, the United States of America, versus international affairs. And a lot of immigrants, I get a lot of backlash from um, immigrant parents Um, around issues like, oh, you don't care about back home. No, I do care about back home, wherever that is, but my priority is my present and my future as a Muslim, as an American right here in the United States of America. Now, I'm not saying there's a lot of people like that, but, you know, you look at what's happening in Syria, for example. It's just really, really sad, but essentially it's nothing but a civil war. These are two factions that are not getting along, and they've destroyed entire cities. So when you look at immigrants or, sorry, refugees coming, you know, uh, going across borders and and through rain and winter and snow and all of that, if you were actually to see what they 've actually gone through um, you 'd feel for them like oh my god, their entire you know they were robbed of everything that they had, um, and most of us most of us at least here here um, you know have a, a decent amount of um, security and safety, we have shelter, we have food, we have all the basic necessities of life and that these people don't, and they're trying to find. And so when I hear, uh, when I hear you know, um, politicians in this country saying, we don't want refugees in our cities, in our states, in our countries, it just kind of saddens me. Like, you know, let's, let's open up, we should be opening up our doors to everyone that we can help, whether they're indigenous Americans or whether they're people from outside. But that's our responsibility as human beings. That's just who we are as people. Um, but yeah that's essentially it Um, I'm not sure if I covered uh, everything but I'll kind of stop and just open it up and feel free to ask fire away and uh, by the way I haven't heard any tough question in my life (laughs) feel free to ask if I don't have an answer honestly if I don't have an answer I'll just tell you I don't have an answer for it yeah
3: hello mate thank you (laughs) I couldn't resist that um Thank you so much for coming here You're very today. Welcome. It's absolutely brilliant that you came. Um, when you spoke at the beginning about 9/11, as a black woman, I noticed the pressure shift from me elsewhere when that happened. And um, I wasn't sad to see it go, but I was sad to see the people it went to. Yeah, it was tragic. Um, what can we do to be in support of you? Because um, it is really dismaying to have uh, the views. We've been talking about views at the beginning of the year. We talked about views that we have of others and that others have of us, and I found it very useful to have compassion around that. But um, there are people espousing views of this entire group mm-hmm. that are so destructive, they could lead to things that we can barely imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, ordinary people really need to stand up and say not in my name Mm -hmm. about this because it's so serious. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it. I mean, I'm 47. I've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. Um, Even at the height of things like the Troubles in Ireland Mm -hmm. when the IRA were Mm -hmm. bombing people, Mm -hmm. there was never a sense that every Catholic must be a bomber Mm -hmm. in the way that there is this attachment Mm -hmm. at the moment um, to terrorists must be Muslim. Mm-hmm. And it's really frightening, and it's really important that we all stand up and say, I disagree, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's true. Mm-hmm. So what can we do? Do we friend you on Facebook? Do we... Uh, <laughs> I, I tell. I you, know very little you, about, you'd about you'd be, Islam myself, <laughs> sure. but is there a book I can read that would let me stand up and say... Actually, I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you. It's, it's actually, you'd be surprised. What you can do for a Muslim today is so simple. Uh, now, to, to go back with what you started with, young Muslims today are so active with Black Lives Matter um, because they, they're seeing what it's like to be a minority and they, f- they know what it's like to be subjected and so when this entire movement of Black Lives Matter came around, the Muslims just came, the young Muslims just came out and said, this is us, right, because we feel their pain. So that's, but honestly, if what you can do is, is two things, really. If you see a Muslim and they're visibly Muslim, if all you did was smile at them, you'd be surprised. You'd be shocked at the amount of frowns I get on a daily basis. Everything from standing in line at Walgreens when I'm picking up my p- parents' medication to standing in line at an airport. I mean, I was flying, I fly, I'm doing a lot of work nationally these days. I'm a very sought out national speaker, and I'm saying that with all humbleness, but I'm literally traveling every week. Um, and, you know, I'm a premier member with United i 'm um, just saying that is because i get I end up getting a lot of free upgrades is why i 'm saying that I mean Southwest, I have to get on Southwest next week, and i 'm not looking forward to it um, you know honestly you could, you know at an airport i 'm I'm very I'm, you know I, I, my persona at an airport i 'm just very quiet. You know, I'll just sit, I won't, I won't make any rash movements, I won't change my... I just don't do this, I just don't. A lot of times, like even when I need to go to the bathroom, I'll ask myself, do I really need to go? Because if I get up and go and come back, you know, people may wonder like, where'd he go? Why'd he come back? Seriously, I'm not, I'm not even making this up. I'm not even making this up. It is so sad. And so here I am flying home from Chicago two, three weeks ago, I was there for a day, and um, there's, a, there's an individual, and the race doesn't matter. This individual comes to me and just, you know, just a real angry, you know. I just stayed silent. And I'm like, you know what, this is not even worth it. If this wasn't an airport, I might have said something to you. But it's an airport. I really want to get home to my wife and kids and have dinner with them tonight. So I just stayed silent. And, um, you know, <laughs> I got upgraded and got to sit right next to him in business class. <laughs> uh, but but <laughs> on a more serious note, on a more serious note, honestly, the amount of frowns that I get in a day or a woman, Muslim woman wearing a hijab, uh, a head cover, gets in a day if all you did was smile and said, how are you? it would mean, I tell you, if that's all you did, you'd make it to their Facebook that evening. Yeah. No, I'm not joking. If I, turn, if I open my Facebook and you look at the, the amount of posts from Muslim women, they will simply tell you about their experiences at their local supermarkets, at their local gas stations, of someone who just said hi to them. Um, and, and just, you know, if you see anything wrong, standing up to it. And it, that's not just for Muslims, seeing anything wrong anywhere, just standing up for it. Now you asked a, a question, I'll, I'll stop with that. Is there anything you can do to find out more about Muslims, you know? Islam for Dummies, it's a book. <laughs> 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 um, and I, I don't mean to say, uh, you know, there's a lot of good books out there, what everyone should know about Islam and Muslims. Find your local mosque, um, you know, there's... Sorry. The Muslim next door. Yeah, the Muslim next door. Yes, was authored by an individual who lives right here in Stanford. But but honestly, like if you have a Muslim colleague, your local mosque in town, you can just kind of reaching out and say, I, I'd like to know more. Attend a Friday service. Um, our Friday prayer services are open to everyone. Um, depending on which mosque you go to, if it's an ethnic-based mosque, you may. It's very rare, but. It could happen that the sermon is ha- actually happening in language other than English. But 95 per- 97% of the mosques in America have sermons in English. And you know, I, 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 I jokingly tell people, it's not like I go to Friday for the prayers with two sermons. Like, oh, okay, it's all Muslims. Let's pull out this one. Oh my God, we have non-Muslim guests. Let's pull out this one. No, we don't have two sermons. It's the same sermon. You know, Everyone's welcome to come. And I would urge you... Uh, and this is, you know, not trying to convert anyone, but I, I would urge you to go to, to a, a service on a Friday at your local mosque and just check out what we're doing. Um, show up for a prayer. Honestly, um, it'd, be, it'd be a powerful experience. Yes, if I may. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Brigitte wanted me to talk about the hijab. Muslim women choose to cover their hair. Um, it's, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, it, it's a personal choice. It's a personal choice. We do, we, a, 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 a scripture tells us it's an obligation. Though you choose to cover your hair, you don't, you're not forced to cover your hair. What's, uh, and, and we're required to dress modestly. That's more important than anything else. Okay, so if, if you go to any mosque, uh, you'll find, uh, you know, scripture sermons around just dressing modestly, whether you choose to cover your hair or not. It's about just dressing modestly, um, and that's what it comes down to. I have, I ha- I'm, I'm, you know, I come from a fairly conservative Indian Muslim family. I have women in my family very well educated um, who choose to cover their hair, cover their face completely. They wear the niqab. That's just their personal choice. Their entire families don't, but they choose to do it. Hey, that's their choice. I have women on the other spectrum who choose not to cover their head at all. And honestly, as a family, as Muslims, we don't judge anyone. That's your personal choice. You make that choice on your own. Um, It's not, you know, all the women that I know that actually, and I'm going to be a little extreme here, that choose to cover their face, uh, in fact, if anything, their families don't want them to cover their face. You'd be surprised. You know, people think like it's, it's, they're, they're actually forced to cover their face or forced. They're actually quite the contrary. Women who choose to cover their entire face, their families are knocking on my door and say, can you please help us out and say, you know, can we get rid of this? You know, um, and, and you, you know, you try, but that's a person's personal choice. People may choose to or choose not to. That's fine. Um, if you come to my mosque in San Jose, no one's going to require you to cover your hair. No one's going to require you to do anything. You come as you are. In fact, that's our motto at our mosque. Come as you are, whatever your faith may be. So, Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Thank you so much for coming.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: So I'd like to... Um kind of piggyback off of what my sister over here said a few minutes ago. I had the pleasure of spending a couple of half days at a conference on Islamophobia in In Berkeley Berkeley this weekend. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, it is an eye-opening experience to see the ugliness that is happening in the political and social and interpersonal discourse in this country from the perspective of the people that it's happening to. Mm -hmm. And I would just encourage anyone here to find out more about the phenomena of Islamophobia as a counter discourse to the um, idea that all Muslims are somehow terrorists or plotters or anything else. Yeah. Um, and I had a question for you as sure. well, sir, which is, can you speak a little bit to the impact that prejudice is having on the youth in your community?
2: Sure, thank you. Um, you know, it's the, the, the youth are just really, really confused. In fact, if anything, nowadays, most mosques do not, are not looking to hire imams, they're looking to hire youth workers, because the youth are just confused. They really don't know what's happening, they really don't know what their future holds. And in fact, some of them have just sort of shut off from the world. And, um, you know, the internet allows you to do that, you can sit in front of a computer, go through your feed every day and become as depressed as, you know, anything, and, and choose to close your doors and not want to deal with the real world. And Which is why what we're trying to do is we're working very, very hard with our youth to bring them out and bring them to other faith-based and non-faith-based communities to show, hey, not everyone out there hates you. There's a lot of good people in the world. And that's, it's definitely helping, but it is a work in progress. It's a priority for all of us. Um, and, you know, honestly, when you do find out about the one young kid or the two young kids that may have been influenced by ISIS... Um, these are individuals who have either um, really just shut them off from the world and that's all they've been doing. A lot of times, um, um, law enforcement has actually been informed in advance that this is what's happening, but in order to make a story out of it, the law enforcement will actually allow it to happen and then grab you at the airport and bring you home. Look it up online, the amount of individuals that have been trapped by the FBI. In fact, there's a young man sitting in prison here locally, and he's going to be there for a long time. Interestingly enough, his parents went, this is a story in the New York Times, I think, a few weeks ago. His parents went to the local law enforcement and said, listen, this is what's happening with our kid, and we're actually worried, and we're letting you know for national law enforcement allowed for it to escalate. In fact, if anything, reached out to him through various different avenues in order to allow for it to escalate and then went and grabbed him and then he makes it out to the media. You'd be surprised as to how many people actually get convicted for the crime that, they, you know, that they've, per- they, they've wanted to commit. There was an incident right here in Oakland where you know, right when the person was about to detonate the bomb... That was sold to him and set up for him by the FBI um, that they went out and got him and said Muslim terrorists trying to blow up a bank in Oakland, you know. So that's, I mean, I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not in denial that there's youth that are being influenced. Yet at the same time, you'd be surprised as to how many of these youth have actually been trapped by law enforcement. Yes, sir.
4: So I have a, a question. It's similar, I guess, to the previous question. And this is very personal for me. Um, I come from Michigan. And I'm not trying to make any generalizations, but it's a very different environment there than it, mm-hmm. is, than it is here. And I have relatives, aunts, uncles, that spew this hatred towards your community. And, you know, I've tried to cite facts. Facts don't, don't resonate. If you could give me a sentence or a paragraph... To touch, <laughs> I know that's difficult, to really touch their heart. And, and many of these are, are God-fearing Christians. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they're you know? good people.
4: And, they're, they're, and, and I mean, I, I'm just, it's, oh, it's so frustrating <laughs> to try to get through to them. And I just hope there are some words that could do that. I, you
2: know, honestly, I don't think I have any words per se. The greatest experience that anyone can have is to get to know a Muslim personally. And, you know, if there's any way where... And I would love to work with you on this, if it's ever possible, to, you know, a lot of people that... um, In fact, there's this very powerful sermon I've delivered time and again, and in fact, was an entire theme I I delivered in the UK, was, um, do they hate us, or do they just not know us? And and really, it's just about people not knowing who you are. And so, uh, you know, I don't think I have anything, uh, unfortunately... For you to give to them in terms of words, but if there was any way that, you know, people who don't know about Islam and Muslims were just introduced to Islam and
4: Muslims. And, and this is the challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a rural, rural yeah. community in Michigan, right? And this is Michigan the, of
2: all and, places. The majority of the Muslims in America uh, actually live in Michigan. De- so. in, the, in the Detroit <laughs> yeah.
4: area, right? Yeah. In yeah. the Detroit area. Yeah. But this is up in the Upper sure. Peninsula of yeah. Michigan, yeah. right? And, uh, and anyways, both. Th- th- thank you. And-
2: yeah. Uh, you know, one thing that we've been encouraging our community to do is really open up their doors. And for a lot of people, it's diff- for a lot of immigrants, it's difficult. You know, you're not sure um, as to how do you open up your doors. Is everything going to be okay? Um, you know we do there's in certain families culturally there's sort of a gender segregation you may not wear shoes in the house you know it's all these things and so you're kind of like hey are these people going to get it are they, are they thinking they think we're weird is it going to be okay but really we've been telling a lot of a lot of friends i have a friend who moved in uh an out an area outside of dallas uh rural neighborhood you know all god-fearing christians and, um, and I said, hey, you know what? He said, what should I do? And, and he's, he's born and born raised in Canada. Parents are Indian. I said, just do a barbecue. And uh, that's what he did. One fine summer day, he did a barbecue and just invited all his neighbors. Some people showed up. Others didn't show up. And uh, he was telling me, he goes, this is a pretty crazy community. I said, what do you mean? He said, all these people are big time in the military. These are all military people, you know? I'm like, okay, great. I don't know why you chose to live here, but it is what it is. But I, I think what ends up happening is that he's, he's one of the few brown people in his entire neighborhood, and people know who he is. And they'll be like, hey, Shahid, how you doing? Shahida. So, yes, sorry. Yes. One th- I know there's a lot um, of questions. One thing, having
1: been in India, but only for a month, I saw quite a bit of what seemed like Islamophobia there. There's only 15% of Indians are Muslims. But Where's this? India, the country in India of. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you say it's not exactly cool there either? I was wondering no, all not, of that. No, it's
2: Absolutely not. You in know, fact, is India is India's getting pretty bad under the current, uh, current um, you know, uh, government. It's been pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, by the way, are there crazy Muslims in the world? Totally. Yeah. <laughs>
3: crazy. Don't. I'm not denying yeah. it. Know, we got a lot of crazies
2: out there. But. You know, honestly, you know, th- we, don't, we don't deserve what's happening to us that, yeah. it, for, for these yes. few individuals. So, yes, there is Islam. In fact, I, oh, God, don't remind I'm flying to India in a few months, and I've been asking myself, do I really want to go to India or not? Because I've been subjugated at airports in India as well, simply because of my beard. They know, you know, you got a beard. This person's probably a conservative Muslim. God knows what his ideology is. And, uh, you know, they get pulled inside. And honestly, I just tell them, look, man, I start speaking in my mother tongue. I just straight up go to my mother tongue. I'm a Gujarati. I, I you know, start, I'm like, listen man, I'm here to see my grandparents. Mike, I got one grandparent who's still alive. I'm here to see her and you know, I'm only here for a day and a half. It's going to take me 5 hours to get there. it will take 5 hours to get back from the airport. Just here to see her, you know, and then let me go. But it's just it's tough.
1: It's unfortunate.
2: Sure, one more. Please, ma'am, go ahead. Oh. All right, I'll go
1: since I have the mic. Um, my question is, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of well-meaning people out there, and there I really are. appreciate your opening, you know, inviting us to open the conversation to learn more. Um, what are some, what are some uh, sort of conversational tips that you have for us, you know, or, I mean, I think uh, a lot of us can make mistakes in asking a question that we think is well-meaning and it, it's actually pretty insulting. So, you know, do you have any suggestions on a good way to open the conversation that is, um, you know, that is maybe, uh, you know, avoids that unintentional sure, insult? Sure,
2: You know, just being real. A lot of times we, you know, we're just being real. Hey, how you doing? You know, you're standing in line to get coffees, a Muslim "How sh- How you doing? How's your, day? How's your day going? Where are you off to after this? You know, so just something. Uh, where are you off to after this? Well, uh, uh, <laughs> Honestly, just being—I mean, you know—I've—I've had—I've had so many amazing conversations standing in line at Starbucks. You know, uh, hey, how you do? You know, where are you flying to, or you know, things like that. And just—and you know, for me, a lot of times it comes down to depending on who I'm talking to about, you know, my local community, uh, local politics, uh, sports. Uh, you know, just all kinds of things. Really, just just really depends on that individual. But but uh, definitely make conversation. Definitely, our community is known to expect conversation if it comes your way, you know? Um, and and just, just looking around, you know? Like, you know, the story that you mentioned, this was right after San Bernardino. This was winter months. I would not, I actually stopped going to gas stations that I, that was not my local Shell gas station. I just didn't, it just, I just didn't find it safe. You know, I just didn't want to be, I just don't want to be in some angry person's way for whatever reason. Um, and I avoided it. And honestly, my wife doesn't know this, but I started filling gas in her car too. She just thought I was being a nice husband. Um, um, I I honestly just didn't want her to be where she didn't want to go uh, for a few months. I think, you know, we're kind of over it now, and she kind of goes and does whatever she wants to, but there were times when I would just say, hey, let me take you, or, you know, I'll I'll take care of it. I I never told her why. She probably got it, but, you know, we just never talked about it. Um, I think we do want to end, right? Yeah, Uh, you know, we can end, but I'll sit here until 11, so you guys are more than welcome to just chat around. We'll turn the mic off so people can do whatever they want to and chat, but I'll still be here until 11 o'clock and be able to hopefully um, just speak to whoever wants to. Thank you so much.